Welcome to We Got This Covered's Cinemaholics, the weekly movie review talk show where critics and fans finally unite to discuss the biggest and best films coming to theaters. We're not just fans, we're not just critics, we're Cinemaholics. Welcome once again to Cinemaholics, the official podcast of WeGotThisCovered.com. I'm John Agroni from the Internet, California, and plotting a revolution in space against Jeff Goldblum, it's Will Ashton. Wait, I'm against Jeff Goldblum? Yes. How is that possible? Well, you're, it's a revolution. He enslaved you, and now it's a tie. Truth be told, if Jeff Goldblum enslaved me, enslaved me I'd be okay with it. Mm. Like, I would be like, <laughs> you know what, that's fine. Let's this week for your cinema homework. Let's keep going. <laughs> uh, oh, and uh, sweeping up the discarded remains of Thor's hammer off the coast of Norway, it's Soundmaster Maverick Hines. I'm a janitor? <laughs> yeah, just like Scourge. I hate you. Uh, so if you didn't catch those references, we are here to talk about Thor Ragnarok, the latest Marvel film. It's like the 17th, 18th, 19th, who knows how many Marvel films at this point. Uh, we're going to be doing that in a little bit. And for many reviews, we're going to be talking about Stranger Things 2, The Killing of His Sacred Deer, Wonderstruck, and uh, the new game Super Mario Odyssey. And uh, just to make a quick announcement, we are still doing our Stranger Things bottle episode. We were supposed to do it earlier. Unfortunately, it is taking Maverick and Will a ridiculous amount of time to watch this show. I've been done, guys, since like Saturday, and I am so disappointed in both of you. I've been like hanging out with friends and like going outside. I've been working. What about your friends, Mike, Lucas, Dustin, Max, Eleven, Hopper? I mean, do you just not care about them? Yeah, pretty much. That's basically, yeah, you got it. You summed it up. Well, have you seen the first season yet? I watched... Well, we're talking about Stranger Things on Netflix. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen, I think, I want to say six episodes. It might be five, though, of season one. Snail's pace. I'm very frustrated with you guys, but yeah, for those of you who are rating, you voted for it, and we're taking forever. I apologize. Um, that bottle episode is going to be coming up ASAP. But uh, yeah, Thor Ragnarok is the movie that we are getting into, and I, I don't want to. I don't want to waste any time. I don't know about you guys. Uh, this is obviously the big one, but uh, yeah, a bad mom's Christmas also yeah. came out. Will, did you see that one? Oh God, no. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I forgot to ask you, because I know you also saw Last Flag Flying. I think we're going to talk yeah. about that next week. And I want to talk about uh, Lady Bird next week. I'm still waiting on that one to come out. But uh, did you get caught up on like this whole weird, like they thought there was some faux conspiracy going on with the Bad Moms Christmas yeah. and Tomatoes? I was just, um, I was reading the debunking about that from Forbes. Yeah, that was really interesting. We Wait, what was it? What? Yeah, walk us through that. So essentially... A Bad Mom's Christmas came out on Wednesday this week because it knew better than to not deal with Thor Ragnarok. Because I think most of the moms, if they're going to the theater, they'd just be taking their kids to see Thor. So they decided to release it on Wednesday. But the thing is that on Rotten Tomatoes, they did not have any reviews on that day. Even though there were reviews online. Like, the embargo broke on Wednesday, but there were no reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. It just said, like... Stay tuned for See It or Skip It, which I guess their new like Ebert and Rope or um Cisco and Ebert kind of review show mm-hmm. where they officially announced the thing. And a lot of people were concerned that this was Rotten Tomatoes like hiding the score because of studio influence. Because Rotten Tomatoes is the source of a lot of controversy at the moment because uh studios think that it's ruining the movie system right now, like with the box office. Um 
And it was later debunked that, I guess, it was just because of the show's format, where they, I guess, they released the actual score on the show that the score didn't officially go live. It wasn't the studio telling them to keep it back, even though the movie only got 30%. Uh, so as of now, there is no studio interference on Rotten Tomatoes, but it did look like that was the case for about a day. Super weird. Uh, first of all, the Rotten Tomatoes is doing an original show. I haven't watched it. I'm not joking. Neither did I. Um, but yeah, I did a Facebook wanna, Live I show, and I, it, I don't know yeah. the leads at all. I don't either, but I did want to give it a shot, you know, as a fellow sure. uh, review show. I, I do think we need another... Well, besides, you know, obviously Cinemaholics, we need another kind of Siskel and Ebert show, I think. And I would like something like that to succeed, but I don't know. I I'm mean, a big I'm fan hoping... of uh, Siskel, Ebert, and Maverick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. Uh, man. I mean, I, yeah, no, I mean, from one show to another, I hope it does well, but I have not watched it. So. Well, yeah, I mean, little plug for that. It's on Ron Tomatoes. Maybe it's good. But uh, yeah, so that's Bad Moms. Um and I didn't, you know, I didn't even watch the week. first one. Yeah, well, I didn't watch the first one, so I was like, I, right. you know, that, I forgot it was well, a movie. No interest. Yeah, uh, I watched it, and I, I honestly that. did not care for it. I want. It was one of those movies I really wanted to like, but I feel like I don't know. I just had a lot of problems with the fact that the characters were pretty flat, and I just they they kind of got really preachy at the end, and also it it like scored. It's it scoring the characters for something that, like, if they were all male characters, they would not scorn them. If mm, that makes sense. Interesting. I don't know. It, if you want to watch, if you want to watch a good uh, Kristen Bell, anything, just watch The Good Place. Right. That's what I've heard. I I have heard that for better or for worse, if you like the first movie, you'll probably like the second one because it's like more of the same. But considering I did not like the first movie, I'm probably not going to like the second one. But. Did you mention the Rotten Tomato score that did come out for it? It thirty one percent. It was a 31. So, I, I heard it was 30, but... Uh, 30, it's yeah, 31 I, now, yeah, the latest uh, as of uh, Friday. And a yeah. 57% uh, audience score, which is not good at all, but... Uh, I just... I find know. it interesting that they're already releasing a Christmas movie, like, just the day after Halloween. It's and I'm fast, guessing, yeah. I'm guessing their strategy is that they're hoping that, like, word of mouth is going to keep it in theaters till the Christmas season, but... I don't think it's doing that well so far from what I've heard. Yeah, and it's there's no way to win. You know, that's a very packed month, November. Right. And November is when Christmas movies usually come out, to be fair. But with Justice League and Coco, Murder in the Orient Express, and I mean, even now with Thor Ragnarok, I mean, it's a crowded oh, it's a crowded month for sure. And, I, and they're probably keeping it also out of uh, the Oscar bait season. And uh, another plug, by the way, our Oscar bait breakdown episode, uh, that's going to be our next to last call. So we're working on that oh, wow. too. Yeah. All anyway, right. let's talk about uh, Thor Ragnarok. Uh, this new film, I'm okay. So, like I mentioned before, it's another Marvel Studios film. It is the sequel to Thor and Thor: The Dark World, the first two Thor films. Uh, it's been six years since the first Thor film, and it's been four years since The Dark World. And The Dark World is often cited as one of the one of, one of the worst Marvel films. Uh, I didn't but see that one. It, it, it's a film that I, I like. I, I think is you know. You know, not one of the weaker uh, Marvel films. When I think of weak Marvel films, I think of The Incredible Hulk. Uh, I think of Iron Man 2. I kind of think. Mm. Do you, where are you at, Will? Uh, Thor The Dark World is my least favorite MCU movie, and Avengers uh, Age Ultron is my second least favorite. Which is crazy. I mean, I'm I'm just totally different. I I love Avengers. Right. I love Avengers: Age of Ultron. I uh, I think that it's a much better film uh, than some other people. And I I like Thor: The Dark World. I actually like it a little bit better than the first one, to be totally honest. And I've never quite understood. Like, I get the complaints with the Dark World. It has a really weak villain, and uh, I, I guess like I guess Thor like they they don't do much 
a lot that's like interesting with him, I guess. But uh, I love Loki in that film, and I thought that the third act, like there's a portal sort of uh, fight scene. I thought good. that was really fun. And uh, yeah, but anyway, Not, I like that scene. I'll, I'll be clear, that was a good scene. I just wish the rest of the movie was as fun. Yeah, and then that's the majority opinion, uh, the consensus, I should say. But anyway, this new Thor film is a totally different movie in every way. I mean, you can just tell that from the marketing. Uh, so it's directed by one of my favorite directors, Taika Waititi, uh, who did uh, What We Do in the Shadows and uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, and which is crazy. I mean, What We Do in the Shadows is one of my favorite like comedies in the last decade. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a fantastic film, so... Very, very strange when we heard that he was the one who's going to be doing this third film. Um, but anyway, going through it. Uh, so th- it was written by Eric Pearson and Craig Kyle and a few others. Uh, stars Chris Hemsworth, Tom Hiddleston, Kate Blanchett, uh, Mark Ruffalo, Idris Elba, Jeff Goldblum, Tessa Thompson, Carl Urban, Anthony Hopkins. And, uh, you know, that's all we'll get into. There are definitely some cameos that we can cover. But, uh, yeah, if you've just watched the trailers, that's that's every everybody, basically. And uh, yeah, so starting with you, Will Ashton, um, oh we're looking at a two-hour and ten-minute Thor movie. What did yeah. you think of Ragnarok? So you really want to start with me? Yeah, I do. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was for many of the reasons you were suggesting. I was actually really looking forward to this one, just because even though Thor: The Dark World was not a movie I particularly cared for, I uh, really liked the first Thor movies. Actually, I think I liked the first Thor movie a little more than most people because I consider it, I don't know, I'd probably put it if not in my top five, then pretty close to it, maybe six or seven Ooh, in my ranking. Okay. Because, I don't know, I, I don't know, I just really think that movie works for what it is. I mean, I know it's kind of cliched in some ways, and I, I do think it kind of has a difficult time balancing the fish-out-of-water comedy with kind of the more uh, heavy-handed lore stuff that they are trying to establish, but I don't know. I just think that movie really works. Um, but I don't know. I, like you said, Taka Waititi is involved, and he's a director I am immensely in love with just because he has this comedic style that, you know, I mean, obviously you mentioned What We Do in the Shadows, which is probably one of the funniest movies of the past 15 years. Uh, and, and also, I mean, last year, Hunt the Willard People was really good. Good film, yeah. Uh, and also, he did some episodes of um, Fly the Concords. Uh, he did some other stuff that's really good. Strange to see uh, a movie done by him without Jermaine Clemens in it. It's true. Uh, and I, oh, I'll get to that point in a bit. Um, yeah, but <laughs> overall, uh, I have kind of, I, I think I'm a little more mixed on the movie than a lot of critics I've talked to. I do think it's a lot of fun, and I love a lot of the stuff that t- uh, Takaka with TT brought to the film. For instance, I thought Tessa Thompson was great as Valkyrie, uh, she's kind of playing this Han Solo-esque character. She's kind of boozy, but self-reliant. And she's a lot of fun. Uh, Kate Blanchett was great as the villain, the villainess, I guess. Um, although I have some issues with how they treated her character. And uh, we also get Tata Kukiti as Quark in the movie, who is a great character. I loved his character a lot. And also... Of course, Jeff Goldblum is the absolute positively best thing about this movie. He is by and far the one that steals the show. And he is on, even though this movie takes place in another universe, he's on another planet from everyone else. And you could tell he just let him say like basically whatever he wanted and they just worked around it. And I really think that we're kind of in this weird, uh, very meta stage at, with Jeff Goldblum's career where he is very self-aware of who he is and what his image is. And he's just 
really playing up to bizarre uh, and very funny ways. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think the fact that the movie is so lighthearted that when it does try to go for some of the emotional beats, I wasn't really as taken by them. And I just didn't feel like they had the weight that they needed. And also, I don't know, I feel like the middle is where Takawa Titi really got to flourish as a director. Because that's where he's on this trash planet where he can kind of make his own little movie. But I feel like the beginning and the third were basically... The first act and the third act, I mean, were really where him just kind of making the movie he was contractually obligated to make. And I know you're going to disagree with this, so I'll let you speak in a minute. But I don't know. I have... I'm harboring some mixed feelings right now, but overall, I did like the movie. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I totally disagree. I think that uh, this movie's great. But uh, Maverick, uh, where are you at? Uh, well, I have to say, this was my first time going to a press screening, and it was a really fun oh, yeah. experience, yeah, that was I think. Oh, man. Uh, and I, I looked at... Uh, you got dressed, and it was just like... It was nope. so cute. <laughs> just, just wore normal clothes. Yeah, yeah, sure. It was just yeah, a we'll, theater. We won't talk about the bow tie. <laughs> I definitely did not. Don't you ever put me as a bow tie guy. Uh, anyway, so that was, that was cool, just in that experience, which wasn't as... I, I feel like I expected it to be more like I was going to be greeted by like well it got rescheduled by, like, so it grapes. wasn't like a normal thing it was oh. like kind of hackneyed so there are grapes at normal ones like where they feed you grapes as you watch yeah. the movie okay that's what I was expecting like grapes are like popcorn. it's like a cigar yeah. lounge anyway um, I had a ton of fun with this movie I I really really enjoyed it um, I like I don't think I expected to laugh as much as I did and I knew that they were kind of from the marketing this one was kind of aimed a little to be a little bit more funny um, but. Man, I just I just didn't expect it to be so funny for me at a lot of times. And I just I had I think I already said this, but I've just had so much fun with it. I like I enjoyed it so much. It was what, two hours and ten minutes long, you said? Yeah. And I didn't feel that at all. I I, like, I was just in it. Maybe it's because I didn't have to sit through previews. Maybe it was just the benefit of, of the experience. I don't know. But uh, It doesn't hurt, yeah. Yeah, no, it was it was it was just really, really funny. I thought uh I told John this after we left, but um, I thought Hemsworth de- Hemsworth's delivery a lot of this stuff was like really good. I was surprised. He's a genuinely funny person. Yeah, I, I thought he was just funny. And I didn't see the second Thor, and I've only seen the first Avengers. I have not seen the Age of Ultron. So I haven't seen a ton of him doing stuff. So you're kind of out of the loop, and you're going into this, yeah, with like very little context. Yeah, so... I, I think for me, I was just surprised. Maybe he is, I don't know if he is as funny or has as great of delivery in the other movies, but I was just caught off guard by, like, I thought he did really well. He has, like, one scene in the first Thor that's kind of a joke, and that's it. Honestly. Well, yeah, exactly. And, you know, and all, mov- all the Marvel movies, I think, have that, where they're like, yeah, I do something funny here, but I just felt like he genuinely yeah. was just really good in this. Um, uh, Will, I think you were right on. I think Jeff Gold- Goldblum was fantastic. He was really, really funny and just, like... I just felt like it was Jeff Goldblum got stuck on a planet and was being right. <laughs> like crazy. So I really appreciated that. Um, I I really loved uh, Korg. Is that his name? Korg. Korg. Yeah. yeah. Korg. Yeah. He's a Kro- Krogan or Kro- Kro- I forget what they're called. Cronin. Sorry. Yeah. I. I nice to me. Planet Hulk to me, was. that was the character that was just like stole it for me. That was he was hilarious. I really enjoyed it. Just the the delivery of things, and I, I'll go into it more in spoilers. But there's a moment at the end where I was just like, that's that's hilarious. Like that's a joke that I would see in like Parks and Rec and think it was really fun. Like it was just, I really enjoyed it. Um, the movie was great. I, I don't necessarily agree with Will that, you know, the moments that were meant to be heavy didn't pack a punch. I felt like I, f- I feel like I felt everything I was supposed to feel in this movie and that it was all delivered pretty well. Yeah. I was wondering about that. I was like, was I supposed to feel emotional? Honestly, like, I feel like it's such a comedy. I, I never was like, oh, I'm supposed to be sad. It was more like, uh, ah, forget this. We're moving on. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think guess I see the other side of that where it's like, well, why can't we just take a moment to 
you know, I didn't want to. Let it sink in. I wanted it to keep being funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I think for someone who didn't, who has missed out on a lot of the Thor lore in the Marvel universe, that um, I didn't, I don't feel like I missed a lot from this. I, I got to go in uh, pretty blind, as far I guess not blind, but pretty uninformed as uh, compared to most people going in this movie. And I don't think I missed a thing. I, I really, really liked it. I uh, I enjoyed this movie on two levels. Uh, the first one is the fact that I think that it it's just a movie with a lot of little pleasures, a lot of funny jokes, a lot of really good moments, and uh, it's just the kind of it's an event movie. It's the kind of thing that you watch and you'll forget a lot about it in a couple of weeks. But in the moment, it was good. And if that was it, I would consider this one of the weaker Marvel films, and not in a bad way. I think there are a lot of Marvel films at this point, and it would just be one of the more like, yeah, that was a Marvel movie that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of how I am with like Ant Man, for example. Um, and Doctor Strange. Like, I don't think they're bad movies, but they happened, you know? Uh, whereas you have your other Marvel films, and like, I'm judging Thor Ragnarok by other Marvel films at this point, but uh, but you have other ones like uh, Winter Soldier, where you're like, wow, this kind of reframes this character in a way that I didn't expect, and I, I want to revisit this. And that's closer to where I'm at with Ragnarok. Um, I don't think it's quite as good as some of the best Marvel films, but I think it's a lot closer. I think that the other level that I really enjoy this one on is the fact that it just takes the Thor character and it doesn't care. It, it does not care about Thor's pre-established lore. I mean, it just strips everything away from this guy. And that's something that I've been criticizing Marvel for is like, man, you all these origin stories and then the sequels, like usually there aren't that many consequences, but lately they've been really good at this guardians of the galaxy volume two, again, captain soldier, captain America, winter soldier, mm-hmm. big things happen in those movies, consequences that affect an episodic string of movies. And Thor is no different. I mean, my gosh, the, the characters who just die unceremoniously in this movie. And I get why some people look at that and like, that character is just gone. Like, what do you, you know, but I think that the movie just completely uninterested in the first two mm-hmm. Thor movies. And I, I get why some people would be like, well, you know, but as somebody who was kind of in agreement with some of the weaker parts of those first two films, I guess, well, you're an exception because you really liked the first Thor. I thought that it was okay. Um, I was just like, good, let's do something different with Thor. Like, that's great. Like the fact that he loses his hammer so early in the movie, it's in the trailer. And I'm just like, awesome you're doing something different giving him another vehicle and from there you know i i can criticize the movie on a guess on like some technical things i don't know but for what it was i feel like it's a movie that i'll have to like really sit on for a while before i make my mind up in terms of like you know where i guess where it sits in the greater pantheon of superhero movies but for what it's trying to do and trying to be it's i, I don't think you could ask for anything more out of it I, I, except maybe to slow down in a couple of areas but even then i don't know what i would like change at this point maybe i maybe i'll have a better idea in a year or so i'm just waiting for all you right, to just yeah, yeah we'll <laughs> we, we were all just like what's yeah. will gonna say yeah let's, let's i mean the sad thing about this movie is that i really don't have much to say about it I think it's fine for what it is, but I think it's just kind of a surface level movie where I like it's the change. The harshest of will criticisms, by the way. Yeah, I like guess it's, it's indifference. It's the movie didn't uh, affect you. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, I really like this movie is colorful, but at the same time, I felt like a lot of the colors in this movie were kind of muted out, not only by the 3D that they gave us, but uh, I don't know. I just feel like the color grading in this movie wasn't as good as I was hoping it would be because, like, the sets look like they should be like as bright as possible, but I never got to see 
them really pop. And I guess maybe that's... Wow, counterpoint on my end. I actually thought the 3D was better in this film than most live-action films. I usually and hate maybe 3D, that's, too. Maybe that's just my theater. I don't know. But I guess compared to, like... Okay, so on Sunday, I saw Suspiria in theaters, the remastered version. Mm-hmm. And that movie is, like, one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. And, like, the main one of the big reasons that is that the movie is so colorful and bright that, like, every image I was just, like, drunk on. And I guess coming right off of that, I was like, oh, like, it's, it looks colorful. But, so you um, watched Thor while you were hungover. Exactly. <laughs> I understand. Like, if I had watched this movie after I had seen Blade Runner 2049, I don't know that I would be quite as, like, yeah, you know, like, there, there is something to watching this as a greater piece of this big franchise and having your expectations mitigated by the fact that this is a third movie to Thor. Like, think about that for a second. Yeah. When we were growing up, I mean, did you guys expect that a Thor movie, like, we'd get three of these things and they would fit into a bigger hole and, like, it would be Thor and Hulk and Hela? Like, the, and the Grand Master, and we would, we would be able to see Jeff Goldblum's character and be like, oh, yeah, he's related to the Collector. The Collector is in a different movie that I remember him from. Oh, I can see how they're related. I mean, sorry, I just, like... There's something about like framing these movies, and it's so hard to judge them sometimes. And I don't lambast anybody who either really loves the Marvel movies or really hates them, or I guess in your case, Will is kind of indifferent to some of them. Uh, I don't know what to say about that. I'm not indifferent. Like that's the thing. Like I'm not indifferent really to the Marvel movies. I'm just I didn't say all of the Marvel formula. But like, here's the thing. Like I like this year, I was really getting back into Marvel movies again because we had Spider-Man: Homecoming, which I thought was borderline great like i thought that was a really fun movie and i liked that movie i thought it had a really good progression for the marvel movies because it took this genre like the high school films which we haven't seen like the marvel movies use that lens and tell a kind of familiar story but in a way that is also different for this world and it got kind of the best of both worlds and also you know with guardians of galaxy we got more of an emotional wallop than we're used to for these movies this one, I feel like it's it's a Marvel movie. I mean, it's fine. It's it's a completely entertaining movie. I enjoyed it all the way through. I do think, you know, I mean, I wish Cape Blanchett had more to do. I felt like her yeah, character wasn't her. really really wasn't written all that compelling. Which I mean, it's fine. I mean, you don't need like a super great villain here. But I feel like if you're gonna go to make the effort to hire Cape Blanchett, arguably one of the best actresses in Hollywood right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, why would you, like, not give her more to do other than, like, kind of do, like, one or two things while Thor is in this other world? Which, again, I better? disagree. I, I think okay. that she's one of the best parts. I actually disagree with Jeff, the Jeff Goldblum being the best part of this movie. I'm closer okay. to Kate Blanchett being better and that's here. Fine. And I, I mean, honestly, I think that, like, she's, like, the best, probably the best Marvel villain since Loki. I, I, like, I enjoyed her more than Vulture, to be totally honest. And I really liked Vulture and Spider-Man Homecoming. I, I guess I don't really see... Like, this idea of not giving her a lot to do. I thought the movie was kind of clever about how, and we're not going to spoil, obviously, but they, they they put in this sort of, you know, tertiary character to, like, communicate with her. And, like, they give her some really interesting, like, fight scenes. She gets an exposition scene that really worked for me that explains the backstory of Asgard, which was a very revealing twist. And, like, I don't know. I felt like there was context for her character that some of the Marvel villains don't usually have. Or when they do, it's, like, very superficial. Like, I think of uh, Yellow Jack or Yellow Jacket from Ant-Man. And it was just a very boring backstory for that guy. Oh, uh, I like I, that villain a lot. But, okay, go ahead. Oh, man. We're just so opposite. When it comes to Marvel films, apparently. But, yeah, like, I, I guess, like, his motivation was very simple, right? It was like, oh, you know, you didn't give me the respect I deserved, you know? <laughs> I'm going to shrink sure. people to death. 
Whereas Kate Blanchett was just like, I was a, I was the goddess of death. I did everything that I was supposed to do, and I was part of this very dark period of history. And I'm back, and it's time to pick up where I left off. And I, I enjoyed that. I think that like if we're gonna bring up the Marvel formula, I actually think Thor Ragnarok is a good case study in breaking the Marvel formula because, uh, like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, it breaks the status quo. Boom. I mean, I guess to explain myself a bit, I have nothing against the setup for a character. I think it's a great setup. I just don't think they really used her to her full potential. That's I thought she was so charming and kind of like, I thought she was over the top, which I guess. No, I mean, that's what I mean. Exactly. Different. She is so hammy and so over the top. You can tell that Kate Blanchett is having such a great time with yeah. this character. And it's a comedy, I just so wish, it works. I just wish that, I guess maybe because the movie is so busy with so many other things that like, I just wish that she had a bigger presence in the movie. It's just that for a huge chunk of this film, she's on another planet, literally, while our main characters are doing other things. I see what you're saying. Yeah. It just, I mean, I I just wish she had more involvement in the general story until, and she's kind of, you know, she comes back and forth, which, you know, I, I guess that's just kind of the fault of the film having so many things on its plate that you just can't, you know, and nobody could really juggle this I mean, and it's a credit to Taka Waititi that this movie is so fluent and, you know, entertaining. But, I mean, I just think there are some downsides, and that's just one of them, in my opinion. I suspect that people are going to judge and weigh this movie based on how the ensemble comes together for them, to your point, Will. Sure. Um, I think for me, I, I did actually really enjoy the way these characters interacted and bounce off each other in terms, like, it, it, even if it felt a little busy, is Thor interacting with Valkyrie, uh, getting to know her, reconnecting right. with Hulk, Hulk and Valkyrie having their own backstory, uh, Loki and the Grandmaster, and Loki and Thor, I feel like there was time to kind of flesh these characters out a bit, and I, I do agree with the criticism that, like, the movie didn't know when to s- slow down. It, it There were times when some of the jokes didn't land. I had that same criticism to an extent for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, so... You know, I, I I can see sure. a lot of the points there. If like it's a two hour ten movie, I'm not convinced that I'm going to want to revisit this movie with a lot of gusto in a sure. year. Like I, I am like uh, I, I really want to rewatch Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, and I really want right. to watch Spider Man Homecoming. But at this point, I think Thor Ragnarok, honestly for me, is like right there with those two movies. Like it's weird. Like it's a tr- it's like these three movies. I just see them kind of the same way as just quality wise, which is weird. I, I don't I feel like just to, to what you were talking about I maybe I just loved Guardians of Galaxy two so much like I would watch that right now and yeah, every yeah. day for the rest of the month but um yeah I don't know this one I, I can kind of see what you're saying though like we don't have to compare it's too early you know so I understand yeah no I know but I'm just saying, like I see what My you guys gut are feeling talking about like I enjoyed the movie but I, I can kind of see what you're saying like I don't know if I'd be super excited to watch it again anytime super soon and maybe I will you know you never know. Yeah, that was my point. Yeah, I don't know. That's, just, that's all I, I'm, I'm saying. like, I'm with you on that. I just, I, I, I guess I, I'm in between you guys on a lot of this stuff. Like, I don't think, um, is it Hella? Hela? Hella. Hella. I'm always like, how do you pronounce the name? Uh, I don't feel like Hella was the best. I don't feel like Jeff Goldblum was the best, but I thought they were both good. You're like, I think Hulk was the best. I think Mark Ruffalo, though. Oh, I was just going to say, my, my favorite, as to what you were saying about, like, character interactions, my favorite ones were Thor and Hulk by far. And that's just because, like, and I guess that's part of me just not... I haven't seen all of these cinematic universe uh, movies. I, I've seen bits and pieces here and there. Obviously, now that I'm a part of the squad, I'm seeing more. But um, so I don't know. It was just cool because I think on the way there, I was asking you about Hulk because I was like, "When's the last time I saw 
Hulk in a movie or a Hulk movie. Like, I can't yeah, remember yeah. what's I think it was happen. Lon from Screen Junkies, by the way, who tweeted today. He's like, just, okay, Thor Ragnarok, but just imagine instead of uh, Mark Ruffalo, it's Edward Norton. And <laughs> again, that was a nice little <laughs> chuckle. Yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, I, Edward I, Norton. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that uh, the Hulk, not so much Ruffalo, but like the actual Hulk and Thor interactions were really entertaining. And like the trailer kind of gave away some of the jokes, but they didn't fall short to me, even though there's I knew plenty they were more coming. too. Yeah. You. And it was, I just, again, the comedy in this movie kept me going. Okay. Uh, let's, I think that about wraps it for like how we're feeling on a surface level. I think you guys kind of get a good feel for where we're at, but uh, let's do our final thoughts, grades, and then we're going to get into some spoilers because there are some things we do want to talk about. Uh, so starting with you, Maverick, just pick up where you're off. I mean, those like, let's count those as your final thoughts. Yeah, those, and, those yeah, are my final thoughts. This to me is just like a, a solid B plus movie as far as the first time seeing it. I think if I watched it again later, it'd probably be like a just a B. Yeah. But right now, initial impression is, is a B plus. Marvel's so good at just you know, making you like it more than it probably deserves to be liked, <laughs> you know, the first time you see it. They're really good at that opening weekend. Uh, what about you, Will? All right. I've been wrestling between a B and a B minus all week. I think quality-wise, it's probably closer to a B, but I just don't feel like it is that... Like, I just don't feel like... You want to hit it because we liked it so much. You're like, No, okay, that's I got not it. really it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, is there a grade I can put in between B and B minus? No. B point... And, uh, I'll just B give point, it a B. A B point <laughs> five would be a B plus. Yeah, a negative right. B point. I don't know. Uh, just Where give it a math? B. I don't care. Give it a B. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> you heard it here. I don't. I don't. Care. I don't care. I don't know why I'm here. <laughs> it's an A. I don't. Let me. Know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I dug the. I dug this film. Like I already alluded to, I, I like it about as much as I like Homecoming and. And uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I just think these are just really solid superhero films, and they. I think what raises them from B to B plus for me, because I'm a B plus, I think what raises it to B plus is the experimentation with formula. It is the fact that it is at its heart a funny movie. And I did appreciate that the jokes weren't one note. They weren't, oh, I have to watch all these other movies to get it. Uh, It was just good writing. And uh, I think I agree with Will that I think the quality is around B, but what pushes it up a little bit more for me is the fact that I just love what they do with the Thor character, and I love that it's such a deconstruction of him, and the movie takes a lot of risks, which we're going to get into. Uh, so yeah, B-plus for me, it's B-plus average, but kind of like in between B-plus, B, but it's It's, it's a B.5? A B.5. B.75, maybe. <laughs> um, all right, well, that'll do it then for our spoiler-free thoughts. Uh, from this point forward, we're going to be talking about Thor Ragnarok in a spoilery way. Uh, if you do not want to be spoiled on Thor Ragnarok, skip ahead to our mini reviews. Uh, you can always go to the show notes to see our timestamps and see exactly where you can go for that. Or you could just, you know, hit that, you know, 30 second, 15 second a lot and just hope you're really lucky. Uh, so good luck with that. <laughs> but okay. Uh, spoilers for Thor Ragnarok starting now. And uh Yeah. Will, was there anything specific you wanted to bring up with Kate Blanchett's character? Um, specifically, I don't know. I mean, I think, like I said, the setup is really good. I just wish that, like, okay, so we got them fighting. She destroys a hammer, like you said, and then they go through the rainbow tunnel, and then they go, they crash through, and they go on their own planet, and then now, uh, Kate Blanchett is on uh, Asgard, kind of messing up stuff and befriending uh what's his Car- Carl Urban's character what was his name I don't even remember the character's name for Scourge Carl or Scourge yeah Scourge. kind of a weak link I mean he served the plot yeah, he's a plot I think, device I think what's important about his character is his power for infinite ammo <laughs> yeah 
Right. Yeah. Sorry, if you haven't seen it, that means nothing to you. But well, yeah, I always hopefully you're, you've well, watched the film. You know what we're talking right, about. Right. Yeah. I always find spoilers. one like overly intricate detail to complain about, and that that was mine. There was something kind of satisfying though for watching this like Viking guy just like use AK forty sevens to mow down zombies. I, I was into it. <laughs> right. I just wish. I don't know. I think considering how the character is kind of perfunctory, I just wish they didn't have someone as charismatic as Carl Urban in it, but. He did a good job. I mean, he he did perfectly well with the part. So he did a good job. I just wish there was kind of more to him or they just hired someone that wasn't as charismatic. But oh. I, I was pretty bummed the way that they killed off some of Thor's buddies. And there's no like loop around to that. There's no like Thor. Who like, they kill crap. off? Crap. I'm like, oh, I just lost all of these people. And it, it, to be fair, the only one I remember the name of is Lady Sif. And she's the only one who's not in this. Mm-hmm. And she survived the bloodbath. <laughs> but yeah, they killed him off really quick. And I, I, I would have changed that slightly. I think that they deserved a better way out. Um, but I did appreciate the movie was like, yeah, Asgard, forget it. It's gone. Like right. the gods, the Viking best friends, done. They're, don't worry about them anymore. I, I dig it. I, I think I'm like, yeah, that's where Thor, that's the direction you should take with Thor. You know, give him give him a little mini kingdom and have him roving space. And then uh, for those of you who are wondering what happens in the end credits, that's they're about to run into Thanos. So that's going to be big. Um, clearly Thanos has something uh, in store for Loki. Is it, is it Thanos or Thanos? Uh, either probably. Thanos, okay. I, I Thanos, never know um, which way to pronounce it. Uh, the uh, comics don't tell you. So, okay. Uh, I guess I didn't mind those deaths. Cause like you said, I liked that they were kind of blunt and that they had more of an impact because of that. But the same way, at the same time, I think the only death that really kind of, uh, it didn't peeve me, but I just wish there was a little more to it, was Odin. Mm-hmm. Just because he kind of just went out like Sandman in Spider-Man 3, where he's just like, <laughs> I got a piece out, you know. It's I actually like, thought that was kind of effective, though, with Thor and Loki there, and uh, I didn't have any complaints about Odin. I, I, they were lucky to have Anthony Hopkins back at all sure. for this movie. and I'd, Because he's so busy with Westworld? Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, I was serious. Like, I don't know. What else does he have going on? That's it, honestly. Well, Transformers 3 or whatever. The Last Night, guess, which he died yeah. in that as well. Spoilers for Oh, did he? Spoilers. I didn't yeah. see it. Um, You're not missing. Yeah, I guess it wasn't a bad death, per se. It just kind of felt like, uh, okay, I guess he's dead. It just reminded me like how in uh, Thor The Dark World, uh, spoilers for you, Maverick, I guess, uh, <gasps> there's that scene. Let's see, I'm going to spoil the second movie as we're reviewing the third one. It's fine. Uh there's that scene where his mom dies and it's like this huge Viking death. And then the whole time I was watching, I was just like, what am I going to get for lunch? Should I get like Taco (laughs) Bell? Uh, And I was just like, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I I had a little more effect because I think they built up Odin's character more so that it had a little more impact. I just kind of felt like the way they approached it was just kind of like, eh, that's just that we're done with that. So I, I, I yeah, I, I wasn't quite as uh, down on it. I, I thought that you, you did mention the first and the last part of it. I liked the first part of the movie. I thought the Doctor Strange stuff was cool. I, yeah, that was, was a great. nice way to tie in the other movie. I was, show the progress that he's made. Sorry, what? I was just going to ask. I didn't see the, the Doctor Strange movie. Was was it good? I yeah, liked it. It's on Netflix. You can check it out anytime. Yeah. I, I'd say check it out. It's it's a good time. Yeah, it's cool. It's a good movie. Yeah, it's it, it's... um. It's like probably in the middle as far as MCU's stuff goes, but I thought that was a B plus too. To be yeah, honest, yeah, I, I, I might give it a B plus as well. I don't know. I, I remember I feel like, like every Marvel movie is hitting that grade, and it's kind of weirding me out. Uh, well, that's formula for you. Um, Damn. He's taking a uh, <laughs> anyway, I don't know. Um, what were we talking about? Oh Doctor yeah, I was Strange. just going to mention oh, yeah. the Doctor Strange stuff worked for me, and as far as the last part of the movie goes, I thought the idea to like intentionally destroy. Th- 
Asgard with Ragnarok was great. And I was like, was yeah, no, like that's this. the plan. That's a good plan. Do that. Because <laughs> like, I was like, because I was thinking the same thing they were thinking. I was like, we can't beat her. So, sure. and this movie needs to wrap up. <laughs> so it almost felt like the screenwriter was in Thor's body and was like, <laughs> I got an idea. <laughs> let's just, let's just blow up everything. <laughs> but it was a yeah. nice, it was a nice tie in with Serta from the very beginning. And I, I thought it worked. And um, it was very, uh, what's the word? Irreverent, I guess. And, I dug it. I was like, yeah. Let's cool. do that. I mean, I guess same with like Thor's eye. I did like this movie did have at least some consequences. It's not just like another adventure. Lots you know, of I, consequences. I, he loses his hammer. He loses his father. Right. He loses what his I mean. best like, friends. I, I, his eye. Right. His hair. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I forgot his hair. Cut but, off by uh, Stan Lee. That was a good cameo. It was all right. I'm kind of, I don't know. I, I'm trying to remember the last like Stan Lee cameo that I really loved. I, I think, think the I like the Watcher one in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. It was one of the better ones, to be honest. I think my f- last one I loved was Deadpool, hmm. where the, he was just the strip club one. <laughs> yeah, it's just that DJ in the strip yeah. club for no reason. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, I mean, it's always nice to see him. I'm glad he's still around. Oh, I, I the one thing though about Stanley that really bums me out, and this is totally a me thing, so I apologize. If no one else cares, but um. There was a report, I think James Gunn said that he was filming the cameos for Stan Lee for, like, the last few movies. Mm-hmm. So he might have actually filmed this one. Uh, because, you know, Stan Lee's getting up there in age, and he can't just keep traveling all over the world for these sets. Yeah. And I guess they did, like, a bunch of takes for uh, Doctor Strange, where he was just reading stuff. And one of them that they were really close to using was just him laughing at a newspaper, where he was just going, like, He hates Mondays, but he loves lasagna. And just cackling to himself as all this, whatever's going on, the background's happening. And I was like, oh, I so wish that was the case. Well, you will movie. find any reason, if one is possible, to bring up Garfield. I was going to say, now we, oh, can, yeah. like, we can erase the Cinema Holics board where it's like, this many days since last Garfield reference. <laughs> so like, speaking of Garfield, this episode of uh, he, Cinema Holics brought to you by Jim Davis. Yeah, so anyway, well, it is a comic. Uh, anyway, but here's the thing about Garfield today. He dabbed, and I am not okay with that. Yeah, we all saw your Facebook post. Man. So yeah, back to Thor Ragnarok. I, I think that this movie, what some people might overlook. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I do, I do know that uh, something, some, some folks were a little bit worried about, about this, worried about with this movie was the lokiness of it all. Uh, is this is this a, <laughs> yeah I, I think I, I, I know, you know yeah, what I, I, know. I, I get what's where some people are coming from is it too much should we just kind of like where where what's left yeah right for I Loki mean, and Thor as a little uh, as a romance I think even Tom Hilson was like I did not expect it to go on this long yeah and I I think I mean there's a point to be made I think he said that honestly was marriage didn't he what's it Jonathan. <laughs> Jonathan made a mean joke. Celebrity oh, gossip. I'll, you know, I'll have you to, know that's uh, what I'm good for here. Catch it when I listen to this episode. You uh, listen to this podcast? Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, I tried to. Yeah. He's a, unfortunately, uh, Maverick is the only one of us who doesn't. Uh, anyway, no, I was going to say, um, I think I think um, if there was one thing I would have taken out, it probably would have been the Loki stuff. Not that it wasn't effective. I just feel like of all the stuff that's going on, I feel like that's the stuff that was like... And most expendable, I guess, is the word. I don't know. I, I, didn't I, I like- yeah, I, I do think that they made a decision early on to because Loki is such an impetus for uh, Thanos. If you want to call him Thanos, yeah, Thanos. That sounds nice. Yeah. Uh, he he's the impetus for Thanos tracking them down, so he has to be with them. And right, I, I really love the uh, the play scene in Asgard. 
with Matt Damon, your favorite. Yeah, I, I thought that was hilarious. I was just such a fun cameo, and I thought that it's the idea of just Loki hamming it up in in Asgard with plays about himself and a statue right. was just on on point. And I, I do I do agree to an extent. I'm like, yeah, do you really need all the extra Loki stuff? It, maybe it would have been nicer to get some more Tessa Thompson scenes in there, right. some more Grandmaster. But I do I do love when. Loki, Tom Hiddleston brings things on, and it is a nice way to tie in Infinity War because we we get that scene where it's clear that he uh, he's taken the Tesseract back, right? And that's how he gets onto the ship because how else does he get back in time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. to board them, and uh, so that's obviously going to be a nice little next year when we watch Infinity War, we're going to be like, oh, that's what happened, and then you know Thor is going to end up with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Apparently, that's part of the Comic Con teaser that they watch that he runs into them. All that to say, I, I think this movie is what works for me on, a, on an extra level, if kind of a superficial one, to be honest. But just the idea of how it's going to bring Thor to the Guardians of the Galaxy got me pretty excited during the credits. Sure. I mean, I'm definitely just curious to see Infinity War at this point, just because I feel like that movie has so much on its plate that it's going to be a miracle if it even like is coherent. Mm-hmm. But I trust the Russo bros at this point to make something that's yeah. at least pretty good. They have uh, so many of the pieces in place, you know, they've got Spider-Man, right. they've got Dr. Strange, they've got the guardians. I mean, it's so crazy how much of infinity war they're prepared to do with these characters. Right. It's, 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 it's good, it, but it's, it's very strange at the same time. Right. I never would have expected. It, it's weird. It's just weird to me that, Civil War and Infinity War are even two storylines in Marvel comics that are possible. Right. right. So, I mean, you know, part. that's a credit, you know, to Kevin Feig and his grand vision for all this that he was able to see. I mean, as of now, he's been able to pull it off. And I mean, I hope, you know, I mean, just for the fans and even just for, you know, spectacle cinema that that movie works, but it is going to be a daunting challenge. And I do not envy them yeah. in that position but i mean more power to him i hope it works all right well that'll do it for our spoiler section uh thank you for listening as always we're gonna take a quick break but when we come back we're gonna get right into our mini reviews do not go away we're gonna talk about stranger things to wonderstruck killing a sacred deer tons of other stuff cinemaholics will be right back all right welcome back it's time for our mini reviews uh starting things off so we kind of talked about this already early in the show, but Stranger Things Season 2, or as they're calling it, Stranger Things 2, came out. And I'm not going to talk about it too much because we're doing a bottle episode pretty soon, as we've alluded to as well. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about the first and second season of Stranger Things. The only reason we haven't come out with it yet is, again, uh, waiting on Maverick and Will to uh, to catch up. Yeah. I'm very disappointed. And, I mean, like I said, I've just been busy. It's not like I'm avoiding the show. I think but you are. Tell me. Tell me about Stranger Things season two. I haven't heard anything about it. Of, oh, yeah, I'm surprised you haven't. It's been kind of all over <laughs> uh, the I'm internet. I'm being facetious, of course. But right, yeah, right, yeah. Um, yeah, just to be clear, I, I love the first season of Stranger Things. Uh, I'm a huge defender of it against, I think, some of the naysayers. I think that there, there tends to be sort of this resistance to a popular thing that everybody seems to like. Right? Like, when Stranger sure. Things came out, there was this early wave of people who were like, you got to watch this Netflix show. It is surprisingly right. amazing. And a lot of people checked it out, and a lot of people agreed and like, yeah, this show is great. And then, then some people were like, well, is it that great? Or like, I don't think it's that great. Oh, this is too much like the 80s and blah, blah, blah. I, I think it's hogwash. I think the first season of Stranger Things was a, a lightning rod of good TV. I think that 
all of the ideas present. It, it's the kind of pastiche that we don't usually get that honors and celebrates 80s movies in a way that also feels really unique and authentic. And I, I know, Will, we're going to talk about it, and I think you're actually a bit closer to like, I don't get the hype. But uh, uh, that, we'll save that yeah. for later. No, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I certainly see why people like it. I mean, I'm not someone who's like, uh, folding my arms and going like, oh, I don't get it. Why is everyone going crazy about it? But I don't think I'm quite as positive as you and many other people are at the same time, which is something like you said that we need to talk about. Yeah, well, I actually we could have definitely to talk about it more. We can definitely agree that it's an easy show to love, uh, and sure, I think it's a good show. I think that season two, Stranger Things, is just as good, if not better. Uh, I mm-hmm. love Stranger Things season two. I'm I'm trying to figure out why Maverick is not digging it, but I I love it so much. I think that it's everything I love about the first season amplified. Uh, and I, I there are some criticisms going around there about how I mean it's a show that sort of tries to top itself, you know, in a lot of ways. And there's a lot going on in season two. Uh, people are going to be kind of surprised by how much is going. They take a lot of different directions with it. Uh, it doesn't feel like a rehash or a remix of the first season. Uh, there are some things that return, but they are doing a lot of new things. There's an episode that entirely belongs to one character, which actually has been kind of polarizing. That is that the one that everyone seems to be kind of bashing on? And yeah, like, episode Why seven. is everyone bashing on this episode? Yeah, I, I honestly think that it's... it's uh, it's something that I think is getting too much hate for what it is. But uh, again, we'll talk about that later. Sure. Uh, I, I, I just think that this is a show at the top of its game, honestly. Uh, the, it, not everything is a home run with it. I think that some of the newer characters, uh, not all of them are amazing. And the show does kind of go to interesting lengths to rectify uh, some of the injustices, if you want to call them from season one, in terms of how certain characters uh, died. But yeah, across the board, it's a satisfying watch. Uh, I think that it it just recaptures that same sort of. I, I love things like this where every, you know it feels like the whole world falls in love with the same thing at once, and it's it's a moment mm-hmm. in time. And I think that we can pick it apart. But like the first season, I think I'm going to be really liking it a year later and dissecting it. And I am surprised by how much value I find in the first season a year later, rewatching it and digging into these episodes again and catching things I didn't the first time around. The thing that Stranger Things gets best probably is it's the cohesiveness of the writing. It's a show with a lot of things going on, with a lot of moving pieces, uh, and a lot of things to say. And it puts it all together really well. It's believable. It's not dumb. It's not stupid. It just... It, it makes sense in its own weird sort of way, and it does very unique things with kind of familiar characters, and uh, it does things with the what are becoming 80s tropes. It's something that I celebrate the first season for. It, was, it takes things that are tropes in the 80s and turns them into tropes that weren't tropes before, and that's one of the biggest appeals probably for people is like, oh, yeah, that's that that makes a lot of sense that you would celebrate you know the movie E.T. in a certain way. And uh, um, all that said, uh, if you liked the first season of Stranger Things, uh, what are you waiting for? Check out season two. It's great. <laughs> if you don't love Stranger Things, if you really didn't like the first one, I'd still recommend getting into Stranger Things too. It's different enough that I think some of the people who may have had some criticisms with the first season might like because there are, th- there are things that they improved on. Um, in terms of making Hawkins even more of a uh, rich and detailed place uh, in this moment in time. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's worth noting that most shows, like, no matter how good they were, I mean, especially if they were really highly praised in their first season, tend to get a lot of criticisms yeah. with their second season. And I think one show that I keep thinking about um, is Mr. Robot, which is also a show that came out last year when that first season premiered. Or wait, it was actually, that was 2015, 15, wasn't it? yeah. Yeah. So that was a show, like, the first season, 
everyone seemed to love it. Like everyone, the brother. Oh, was absolutely. It. Yeah. And then the second season came out and it got kind of a more mixed response because it was a little more audacious, a little more experimental and what it was trying to go for. And I'm someone who I liked Mr. Robot season one, but I didn't quite love it. I had some criticisms that I also have harbor for Stranger Things season one. And I would say, even though I agree with some of the criticisms towards Mr. Robot season two, I just liked it, I think, a little more because it was a little more risky and audacious. Yeah, and I think I more basically things. agree with you on Mr. Robot, yeah. And I think that's probably how I'm going to feel about Stranger Things Season 2, just based on all the criticisms and additional praise that I've heard for the show. It just sounds like they're appreciating what made the show work, but also just trying something different because they know if they do the same thing over again, then they're just going to get yeah. even more criticism. So I'm excited to see it. I mean, I think... Like you said, this is a cultural milestone that, you know, whether you like it or not, you know, kind of the same with Game of Thrones. Like, it's just a part of our culture right now. You just, it's sink or swim. You just got to get used to it or, you know, not watch it. So <laughs> Get in line, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I say that as someone who gave up on Game of Thrones after season one. But, uh, you know, I mean... As someone who adores Game of Thrones, all the books and all the entirety sure. of the show, with well, exception, not the entire show, is great. Will, you got to get on with Game of Thrones, man. I mean, the main reason I didn't get into it is not because it's a bad show. I just don't really care for, like, Renaissance fantasy. It's just not my thing, personally. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's more of a personal taste thing than anything else. But I can appreciate Is that why shows. you haven't read my book? No, 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 that's not. It's just because I've been... Uh, I mean, we'll talk about we'll it. We'll talk afterwards. about it. I just have yeah, so much yeah, on yeah, my plate. Talk, we'll log off later and we'll start talking. No, about no. It. I mean, I mean, I could tell you. Like, I am reviewing two books right now for two different places. Oh, and, which ones? Uh, Hillary Clinton's book, which... Uh boy, that's gonna be an interesting one to review. Yeah, uh, I'm basically done with it. I I read. Oh, you read it too? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh, nice. We can talk about that. Yeah, hopefully. Um, I'm sure our fans are really interested. <laughs> yeah, they're in just waiting. Yeah. Uh, and then another one called the Great Halifax Explosion, which is a biography. That, okay. Uh, yeah. So I, it's not that I am in. Oh, and I'm also reading Wonder for the movie. So I'm just reading three books right now, and just that's too much. Well, hey, uh, uh, speaking of Wonder, do you want to talk about Wonderstruck? Uh, sure, yeah. That's yeah. a good seamless transition. <laughs> Different movie, but yeah. And uh, I think we should just point out real quick, there are so many movies coming out this year that have Wonder in it. I mean, Wonderstruck, Wonder, Professor Marston, the Wonder Women, Wonder yeah. Woman. It's it's endless. I hope just one drive-in has like an all-night showing of like all these movies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, would, it might even take more than one night just because there's so many of them this year. But also Wonder Wheel, did you say that one? The Woody no, Allen movie? no. Yeah, so there's like six movies Jeez. with na- wonder in their names. Uh, yeah, there's just just so many wonder movies. But anyway, let's talk about one of them, which is Wonderstruck, which is the new Todd Haynes movie. If you don't know who Todd Haynes is, he's we were talking about Kate Blanchett earlier. That's right, Carol. Yeah, which is a great movie. Uh, Velvet Goldmine. He did. I'm not here, which also starred Kate Blanchett as among or as well as other people. Uh, he, he. What else has he done? Safe. Superstars is like yeah the doll one the Karen Carpenter one yeah which I mean just going off of that resume you would not expect him at first glance to make a kids film like an outright kids film like a PG starring kids film yeah with the because... kid from Pete's Dragon you know like, right it's yeah just exactly so weird. Oaks uh, Fakely I think is his name yeah yeah and um, but at the same time. There is a great sensitivity and introspection to all those films that is kind of childlike in a way. I mean, I think he has a very light sense of touch that I think, in a way, even though it does seem odd at first glance, it does kind of make sense that he would decide to make a kid's film at this point. Mm-hmm. And the book is based on the, the book of the same title by Brian Selnick, I think is his name. Did he you read also, 
I did not, but he also wrote Hugo, which is also another uh, example of a uh, adult filmmaker. In that case, Martin Scorsese making his first kids film. So I don't know about what this guy is inspiring in all these adult filmmakers to make kids books, but I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing whatever his third book is. Lars von Trier tackling it and <laughs> going all what all out on that. But um, uh, yeah. So Wondershuck, it's it's a film that's interesting because. It is another example of him kind of trying something different. He's tackling two different kind of modes. He's telling a story about one kid from the 70s who is recently orphaned. His librarian mom, played by uh, Michelle Williams, has died. And he's trying to find his dad, who has been out of the picture for a long time. And this is the Oaks Fegley character, right? Right, exactly. And he finds this book, this old, old book, that has a bookmark in it from a New York... Uh, bookstore and he finds his phone number and he believes it's his dad so he calls the number but in this kind of whimsical circumstance he calls the phone during a thunderstorm in the middle of the night and a th- uh, ray of thunder hits the house goes through the telephone and death he makes him death he can no longer hear but he's still not uh you know he's still on his way to go to new york to find him but he has to kind of adapt to this new circumstance and also you know look at the world through a new way without any sound and as that story is going on, there's also this other story that's told entirely in black and white from 1927, uh, 50 years before. Uh, and he, it's about this little girl who is also deaf, who is going to New York to find this famous actress who she connects to, the silent actress, because that's the only person in her life, even though they don't seemingly know each other that's the only person that that's the only person that she knows that she can actually have an emotion, emotional connection to and the child actress this is millicent simmons and her first movie and she is phenomenal i mean i just want to get that right off the bat before okay. i forget she she looks phenomenal great. in the trailer like her yeah her she performance is really good yeah she is she's like exactly what this movie needs she's like one of those actresses that says literally nothing in the whole movie but she says so much with her face mm-hmm. and she's only i don't even know under 10 years old and she is great it's her first movie uh, and one of my biggest criticisms of the movie is that, like, I think I get the parallels they're going for here, but I feel like the movie ultimately focuses more on the 70s angle, more than the 20s storyline. So they ultimately don't really get to do, uh, they don't connect her story as much as I think the filmmaker wanted to. And so she can seem kind of like an afterthought at times, which is unfortunate because I think those are the scenes where the movie really thrives and comes alive. Uh, but I mean, that's not to discredit the 70s stuff, which I think it's a little slow going at first, but once you get into it, it is really heartfelt and affecting. And by the end, I mean, it does come together in this very weird, uh, it's very beautiful, poetic moment that, uh, I think really just does tie the film together. I mean, it's not one of Todd Haynes' best movies. I don't think it quite reaches the level of greatness, but it's so consistently good that I would be disappointed if more people weren't that into it i mean it's getting kind of mixed reviews right now for some reasons that are understandable and some not i yeah. mean ultimately it worked for me i think it's a very beautiful film even though i do have some select criticisms i hope you do check it out john i know you're very excited to see it i really want to see this i think it's very interesting you know the because one of the actors the little the simmons uh she's actually yeah. deaf and oh really uh, yeah yeah and so i did like, not know that i'm very interested in checking this out because i do think that Based on what I know of the movie, I mean, they, they tried really hard to make this one something that families could watch, you know, and something that I think could be uplifting for kids who have hearing problems or kids with any disability, honestly. And so I, I'm, I'm really excited to check this one out. I, I'm not sure what the criticisms are. I haven't really gone in depth on yeah, the reviews. Yeah, I mean... But we, yeah. 
Yeah, well, when you see the movie, we can talk sure. more about the specific criticisms. But I'd say overall, yeah, definitely check it out. I think it's a good film. Not one of Todd Haynes' best, but certainly a good film. I'd give it, uh, I give it a hearty B. I think awesome. that's a good grade to give. Yeah, so this is, check this it is out. good. It was a, that was like the base level. It's like if it can at least be a B, <laughs> I'll be okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm tempted to give it a B plus. Just I wish if it came together in a more, I don't know, if, if it wasn't quite as uh back and forth as it is i probably would have given it a b plus or even an a minus or an a uh but as it stands i think it's a little lumpy so i'd give it a b but i think when it works it really works it's interesting because like yeah. i mean haynes has made some amazing films so right. it, it is interesting that like after carol you know when it, one of his best mm-hmm. movies uh and i'm not here or there uh which i think is one of the best biopics um in yeah. uh recent memory uh, it is interesting that, like, yeah, this movie's a little bit more of a subtle, low note. Yeah, I mean, and to his credit, I mean, he has never really made a conventional film in any sense. Like, most of his movies right. are kind of risky or audacious in some way or another. And this is no exception. So, I mean, even though this movie doesn't 100% come together, it still works. And you can tell that it is from Todd Haynes. It's definitely a Todd Haynes kids film. And I like that even... So- so the clothing is on point. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. The production design. <laughs> There's some graininess to show off the time travel. I do think I'm really disappointed that this movie isn't really getting a lot of buzz because I think if anything, this movie really deserves an art direction yeah. nomination because, like, like all of his other movies, especially Carol. Yeah, Carol which, got. Uh, I think it won for uh, it should have. I mean, it, uh, makeup, yeah. costuming, something like that. Yeah. I mean, most of the people that worked on Carol, like the cinematographer and editor and all that, worked on this movie. So you can kind of tell yeah. from the look of it that you that uh, even though it is shot on digital, which I was a little disappointed by. For those of you who uh, don't know, by the way, yeah. like what Carol is, because we haven't really mentioned what it is, but yeah, uh, Carol Netflix. Carol's this movie. Yeah, it just went on Netflix and takes place around Christmas time too. So it's a good time to check it out. Uh, it's a very it's a fifties uh, movie about a, a same sex relationship. Uh, between Rooney Mara and Kate Blanchett, which isn't like the kind of movie you would expect from hearing that sort of synopsis. Uh, it is a very, very striking movie, very compelling. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it got a lot of Oscar attention and deservedly so. Deservedly so, yeah. I mean, definitely check out. I mean, most of his movies, I'd say, if not all of them, you should check out. I haven't seen a lot of his earlier stuff. But it's a lot. Think, yeah, his 90s stuff yeah. I'm not as familiar with. but Yeah, I've been, I mean, the watch Superstar, just to see it. Because I've heard a lot of strange things about it, and I know that it was a movie he kind of made, uh, you know, because all the things were against him, and that he just kind of just yeah stuck to his guns, and he's like, well, if I can't get any actors, I'll just make it with dolls. And this and, one, uh, this one is on. Um, I want to say it's it's an Amazon film. So if you mm-hmm. can't catch it in theaters, I haven't been able to. Uh, I, I think it, it kind of came and went. So I'm paying attention, but on the off chance that it doesn't come out, I'm looking forward to seeing this one on Amazon Prime. Yeah, it should. It's it is an Amazon movie. You're correct. So it should be there. Hopefully, soon. eventually. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a little bummed that you won't get to see it in theaters, just because, like I said, the production design yeah. and the look of it is very appealing on the big screen. But I think you know, it's such a human story that you'll connect to it no matter what. I'll try my hardest to find it. Yeah. 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 Sure. Um, uh, you know, I I also saw uh Coco, the new Pixar mm-hmm. film. I can't talk about it yet. We're going to talk sure. about Coco next week, along with Darkest Hour, uh, which okay. you saw, Will. Um, so in the meantime, um, I, I do want to talk about uh, shifting gears a little bit, and then we'll finish the show with a movie review. Um, okay. I want to talk about Super Mario Odyssey. Have you heard anything oh. about this, Will? That's the one where they show Mario's nipples, right? <laughs> they sure do. Uh, so those of you who are gamers, and even if you're not a gamer, I know this is a movie review talk show, 
Uh, but we do like to bring up other stuff from time to time, uh, especially if it's something that we're really into. And right now, I, you know, I, I got the Nintendo Switch this year, and I, I love it. It's a fantastic gaming system. It's the kind of gaming system that I think uh, I, I think it's better than the Nintendo Wii, the GameCube. I think it's it's one of the best things Nintendo has ever made um, culturally. Like for that for the moment it comes out in probably since the Super Nintendo or Nintendo sixty four. And Super Mario Odyssey, I think, is a game that's right there with uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild as just a game that is just so ridiculously good. I'm having a blast with this. So it's it's Mario. It's it's kind of like the real sequel to uh, Super Mario 64. And, you know, we've had other 3D Mario games since then. Super Mario Sunshine for the GameCube and Super Mario Galaxy, uh, one of the best Mario games of all time. But Odyssey is this very audacious sandbox game where you play as Mario and it's, it's hard to describe. It's a kind of game that you sort of need to see to believe. It's, it's such an intricate game world where you play as Mario. Um, you ha- there's this new function where his hat, you can throw it and he can like take the form of other creatures. It's got like a Kirby esque aspect to it for those of you who are kirby oh, fans i am a kirby fan oh perfect um, yeah you could take on like uh their their powers almost but uh really it's like you put mario sort of like possesses uh like a goomba and what makes the, the game fun with this just this one mechanic alone creates like these opportunities to explore and tinker and create uh solve problems in some of the most interesting ways uh, I I'm having so much fun with this this game. It's insane. I I literally will spend uh, I spent hours in the same world, just like going around and around and being like, "What if I did that? Oh, if I could tackle it from that angle." And you're doing it the whole time with these like wireless controllers that aren't even connected. And like when you move them around, you can do all these fun things. And it's just a, it's what Nintendo does best. It's polished and it, it it's something that I'd say like especially if you have a Nintendo Switch, you should check out. But if you've been on the fence about getting the Nintendo Switch, uh, maybe because not there aren't too many games out yet. Uh, I can safely say between Mario Odyssey and Legend of Zelda and some other games that are going to be coming out soon, this is a great time to get it. It's more in stock now, I believe, so you, you should be able to get your hands on one, and uh, it's well worth well worth the price. I mean, these are, these are some seriously fun games coming out from Nintendo, I'm really happy to say. Nice. I mean, I, 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 people who listen to the show like don't know. I, I play a lot of games, so the fact sure. that I would bring this game up um, on our podcast uh, is really just say, telling you what's on my mind. Yeah, I mean, we brought it up on our newest episode of Any Ogre Toads Ogre, and Matt is digging it as well. Nice. So yeah. I've I've heard nothing but good things about it, uh, and I. I'm glad that's good. I mean, like I said, the only thing I really knew about it going in was that there was a huge controversy about Mario's nipples. And, uh, <laughs> that's kind of a dumb... Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing they show him in a bathing suit. Is that the whole yeah, thing? Yeah, that's all it is. Yeah, I'm guessing it wasn't... It was. I'm sure it was just a bigger... It was made into a bigger deal than it actually was. It's the internet, so... Yeah. Well, speaking of which, I mean, did you hear that whole controversy about his penis? Uh, whose? Mario's penis. There was a comic <laughs> that came out. I didn't know there was a out. controversy. I don't... Well... When the whole nipple thing came out, they were like, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but like, I guess a couple of years ago, maybe even longer, uh, there was a comic in Japan that was officially licensed by Nintendo oh. that I guess actually showed his penis. And it's like, it's pretty weird. It's Japan for you. You know, you never yeah, know what's going to happen. We live in that. strange times. Yeah. Um, so since Matt really likes the game, I'm, I'm guessing that means we're going to start our own show, Matt and I, called Super yeah. Mario Podyssey. Yeah. There it that is. That sounds fun. Yeah, <laughs> well, I can talk you... all about uh, 
Mario Party 2, my favorite game of all time. <laughs> That's right. The one game you played. Um, uh, no, hey, give me some credit. I've also played Tony Hawk Pro Skater That's 3. right. That's right. Pro Skater 1 or 2. I don't remember three. which. 3. 3. Sorry. 2 is the best one. Oh, no. Um, all right. And uh, for our last mini review, Will Ashton, you saw the movie that Maverick and I were supposed to watch ba- a while back and we got caught up. But uh, a movie that Maverick has been really excited about. We're yeah. going to talk about it behind his back. The Killing of a Sacred Deer from uh, one of uh, a director that you and I definitely appreciate. Yeah, I love him. I mean, Yorgos Lanthimopoulos, is that how you pronounce it? Yanopoulos. Yanopoulos. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I love the guy. I mean, I consider... Dogtooth, a masterpiece, and I really like. I know you were kind of mixed on the lobster, but I also I wouldn't really say mixed. That that's that's a solid B for me. Okay, you um you like the you're in the camp where you like the first half, yeah, more than the second, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. which is understandable. I've heard that criticism elsewhere, and I mean, <laughs> I've that makes heard sense. that ridiculousness. No, no, no. I mean, I I actually agree with you. I just don't think the second half holds it back as much as you and some other people have claimed. But that's another discussion. Uh, this movie is, I would say this much. If if you thought The Lobster was like, oh yeah, it's a little weird, but it's my thing. I would maybe check out Dogtooth and Alps before, Dogtooth or Alps even. And uh, by the way, I thought you were talking about a, sorry, I thought you were talking about a different director. You're, you're talking about Yorgos Lanthimos. Yeah, that's why I said Yorgos yeah, yeah, yeah. Lanthimos, right? I, I was thinking of the um, Yiannopoulos from something. I'm not even sure. There have been so many Greek na- sounding names in the last week in the news. And I think that's where my head's at. Like Papa, yeah, Papadopoulos, and Papa John's, I guess. Papa John's too. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, like, we can't win. But go yeah. ahead. But anyway, yeah. So this movie, I mean, it in a matter of speaking, it, it makes the lobster almost look like a crowd pleaser, <laughs> just because it uh, it's definitely a bleaker, more mature film. I mean, it is also. I mean, it's it's still comedic but it's also probably his most serious film and that's why i mean one of his more serious films that's why i kind of want to compare it to alps which is also uh somewhere between the like very comedic and also sort of serious uh it's being banked as a horror movie in some respects and it is it's but it's also kind of it's like a dramatic horror existential drama Mm -hmm. it's um okay so it's following this very successful. Uh, well, I think he's a surgeon of some kind. Yeah, does is uh, he an open heart surgeon? Yeah, open heart surgeon, and he has you know a nice family life. He lives with Nicole Kidman, his wife, and his two kids. I I'm blanking on their names. I feel bad. Uh, but he also kind well, of has this played speed. by uh, Barry Cogan, right? Well, or, no, no, that's that, the thing. that's that's his son's friend or something. Yeah, well, that's what I'm getting to. Sorry, so he also sorry. has this kind of weird relationship with this kid who follows him around a lot in the hospital and they also get lunch a lot and he gives them like these gifts and stuff and it's very intentionally vague what their relationship is it's not made to be romantic or anything it's just kind of like it but it's like also kind of father and son like uh and it, it's for the longest time like you're not 100 percent sure what's going on intentionally and you're fascinated like what's going on with this dynamic it seems like he's kind of average guy except for this whole thing and as the movie goes on it's clear that he has a personal like vendetta against Colin Farrell's character and he gives him an ultimatum that I don't really want to spoil, but it tests his, you know, morality and just where he stands on a lot of things. And that's really where the movie kind of flourishes in this dark morality, moralistic uh, centerpiece that gets uh, very heady and very um, existential. 
And I mean, I I love the guy. I mean, I think this movie is basically on par with his other movies as far as quality and acting. I mean, Colin Farrell, once again, is just terrific. I mean, I really, I mean, Yorgos really just brings out like the best performances out of this guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really goes against, he plays against his type a lot of times. And he also just really just challenges him in ways I find very interesting. Uh, and, you know, Nicole Kidman, you know, when has she ever really been bad? I mean, she's very good as, here as well. But, well, no, I, I was going to say maybe Moulin Rouge, but. Which we disagree uh, actually, on, obviously. Uh, I actually really like Eyes Wide Shut, but I would say that. And yeah, I actually really probably... like Moulin Rouge. We're just two characters, well, aren't we? Shoot. <laughs> um, Cross armed opposites. <laughs> uh, but anyway, no, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, but even though they are really good, and also, um, oh, what's his name? Did you watch The Night of? The Night of? The Night of what, yeah. Will? The, the Night of show on HBO with Riz Ahmed and no? John Turturro. Okay, well, there's an actor on there called Bill Camp. He's also in this movie. That was last He's year, really wasn't good. it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But did that ever get a second season? No, it was a miniseries. Although they they, they um, debated like whether to bring it back, and I'm glad they didn't, because I think it works as a one-off better than if it was an actual continued series. Gotcha. But anyway, uh, yeah, like you said, Barry, um, what's his last name? Barry Kogan? Barry Kogan. He is just incredible in this movie. I mean, he, I mean, if you thought he was good in Dunkirk... He's barely well, in Dunkirk, but yeah. I know. I mean, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, uh, if you, I mean, if you liked him in Dunkirk, you're going to be blown away by him in his movie because he's, he's phenomenal in every sense. And I think he's really, you know, weirdly enough, like the antagonist figure of the film, but he's also kind of the heart of it because he's the one that, like, unlike most, uh, Yorgos characters, he has kind of a more emotional stake in the story and he has a little more, uh, I guess reactions to things going on, which makes, the movie feel a little off kilter even for Yergo standards. Uh, but I mean, it's just, it's a movie. It's, you have to kind of walk around eggshells talking about it. Cause you don't want to give away the big plot points, but it is, you know, if you like his other stuff or even if you are intrigued by his other stuff, this movie is just as fascinating and bleak and darkly, I would guess even bitterly would be a better word. It's bitterly funny as his other movies. And it, I mean, it just, it, it leaves an impression on you undoubtedly. And I think he is by far one of the most interesting filmmakers that's working right now. And I can't wait to see what else he has up his sleeve. I'm going to give it an A minus. Wow. That's high praise. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I really want to check this one out still. Um, not just based on your review, but uh, I'm, I'm in it. I'm in for a weird one. And uh, right. this definitely sounds like it. I mean, I will say, I mean, I just want to make it clear that I think this movie is definitely not going to appeal to everyone mm-hmm. so if like you're watching a trailer and you're like i don't really know if this is for me maybe rent it just yeah. because I, I i i'm probably gonna be able like, to see it in the theater um it's out now and yeah uh, yeah i mean i mean if you're if you're listening to me or watch a trailer or anything you're like this is totally my thing please just go see it i mean just check it out because this movie i really don't see it having a long theater line just because i imagine most audiences in america are just going to be kind of off-put by even the ones that are like super into the lobster i think there's gonna be a lot of people that are off-put by it and i think that's intentional i mean i think this is a movie that's not meant to appeal to everybody and i think that's what makes it more interesting but i mean even like the critics that i went to see it with were kind of uh not super enthusiastic afterwards Hmm. about what they saw and i was the one that was like yeah that was really good uh so i mean i think it's getting a lot of great reviews and i think it deserves all those great reviews but if you feel like it may not be your thing, don't be surprised that it might it it might be not your conventional dark comedy. 
So, uh, yeah, I mean, check it out if you want to check it out, but also be warned that it's very bleak. Awesome. So, yeah. Well, that'll that'll do it for our mini-reviews. Uh, I think uh, throughout this entire episode, we got an A out of something, which is great. I mean, I didn't like great Super Mario Odyssey or Stranger Things too, but still. Okay, um. <laughs> what would you give uh, the Mario game? The Mario game? I don't know. I don't have a gaming grade system. Probably a 9 out of 10. Because I, I, oh, wow. I would grade games... Nine out of ten because so there's there's so many BCNA. other t- there's so many technical things to consider. Sure, yeah, a minus or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stranger uh, Things two. Um, honestly, I would probably give Stranger Things two. I'd probably grade it. The, we got this covered way. Um, I, I'd probably give it a great rating, which I believe sure. is like a three point five. Um, I think point five or four. Yeah, I, I, okay, I forget yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think four of four out of five is a great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Four point five is fantastic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, either a four or a 3.5, probably a four. Um, but nice. anyway, All right. let's, uh, before we close out the show, let's talk about what's coming soon to theaters. Uh, there's a lot. Uh, the first one is Lady Bird and Lady Bird yeah. is going to be releasing in a bunch of, uh, it, it already has come out in some theaters. Uh, this is the new a 24 film, but it's going to be expanding its wide release for the next few weeks. And just want to clue you in. I hope so. I've been hearing nothing but great things about this movie. It has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I think last time I checked. Will. William Ashton, I cannot wait to see this film. It has all oh, of yeah. my favorite things. It's an A24 film. Greta yep. Gerwig directed and wrote. Shirsi Ronan, one of my favorite actresses, from, uh, sure. and of course from Brooklyn, is in this yeah. one. Lucas Hedges from Manchester by the Sea is in this. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I mean, it just looks like an across-the-board success. And I've heard a lot of people say it's even their favorite movie of the year, which is yeah. even more hyped. Pretty and also, crazy. I should mention, Killing of Sacred Deer is also an A24 film, if that's way Oh, yeah, we did mention it. that, yeah. Um, so speaking of uh, what's coming out next week, though, uh, we also the big movie is going to be Murder on the Orient Express. We'll probably be talking about this one in depth next week. Uh, this uh, is the new, sorry, Kenneth Branagh movie. Kenneth Branagh, yeah. The, you, hey, we talked about Thor. Uh, he directed that film, yeah. of course. Uh, this is the new film from 20th Century Fox, and it's a big budget, you know, star-studded movie. Uh, and we're definitely going to talk about it uh, next week. Josh Gad is in this. Penelope Cruz, Willem Dafoe, Judi Dench, Johnny Depp. So many people. Daisy Ridley, uh, right before her Last Jedi uh, yep. film coming out next uh, in December. Oh wait, was this the movie that Josh Gad like kept hounding her? Yeah, yeah. This is what for... they were on the same movie for, and he. Okay, mm-hmm. I was wondering what that was. <laughs> yeah, what were they were working on? Uh, yeah. We also have uh, Daddy's Home Two, which you know I, I do have mixed feelings about. I, I liked the first movie. Um, oh yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You were that I, one guy. I've liked yeah, and I've liked <laughs> Sean Anders in the past. I liked the movie Sex Drive. Uh, when all oh, others boy. haven't and uh i i do have mixed feelings about this because i i don't like how mel gibson is just kind of getting a pass for just terrible behavior so i'm sure. on the fence um if any of you feel weird about it too and you're like john please don't watch this movie let me know because uh, i'm open to hearing other people's opinions including will ashton's yeah i mean as of now i have a screening for daddy's home 2 and murder on the orient express on the same day and i think i'm gonna go with murder on the orient express oh yeah that's a no-brainer for sure yeah and be clear i didn't watch daddy's home the first one until it was like um available for rental so yeah uh we have some smaller films coming out uh in so uh you know limited release lbj is gonna be coming out that's the new rob reiner i think that came Um, out today actually Today did it. Uh, it might have come out in some theaters. I know in the U.S. it's going to be hitting um, quite a few theaters uh, next week. That's from Electric Entertainment. Really? Yeah, yeah. Woody Harrelson and uh, yeah, I, I I don't believe it's in the U.S. yet. Uh, Are you sure? Because I here's the thing. For whatever reason, like my dad does not care about most movies. 
like he just does not care like it's not like he's against me he just doesn't care but like for the past like week whenever i talk to him he's just like what's the deal with that lbj movie I'm like, I, I don't know what's coming out. And it's just like, I, I watched the LB, LBJ movie. Uh, and then, like, today, he was just like, is that LBJ movie out? And I looked up on Fandango. It's playing, like, in one of my local theaters. So I think, I mean, I don't, I mean, usually if it's out where I am, it means it's out most places. Oh, it's probably just a wide release then. Because um, so, if it is, it's it's absolutely limited right now. Okay. It yeah, changes. I, I, we should explain. It's These things change all the time. Sure. So, like, sometimes, like, IMDb will say, like, November 3rd, and then other times, yeah. like, the official, like, the website will be like, no, it's November 10th. It's confusing and weird, but uh, sure. LBJ, it's going to be out around this time, so that's the point. Yeah, it's either out or it's coming out, so. Yeah, the new Francis McDormand film, too. I mean, Woody Harrelson has two movies out in theaters right now. Um, coming, the other one? Uh, Woody, uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, yeah, both the other one. Limited, and LBJ. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. He is LBJ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Richard. I mean, I forgot to mention Richard Jenkins is in that too. And uh, I, I've heard not great things about LBJ, unfortunately, which bums me out. Yeah. I really like Rob Reiner. I, I he's but, not the first person I would go to for this kind of movie, especially like I mean, Jackie was just last year, and this is like right. the same. You know, I don't know. and I mean, we also have those JFK files coming out. Oh my which, gosh, uh, which the, aren't really putting him in the best light. The JFK the cinematic universe continues. Oh um, yeah. Uh, uh, but anyway, no, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I agree because uh, I don't know. Like, I was thinking about this. Like, one, I love Rob Reiner. I think he's a great guy. Well, he, I think he's he, a great screen presence. Yeah, he directed uh, but, what uh, I think is one of the best romantic comedies of all time. When Harry Met Sally? Yeah, for sure. I wasn't sure if you were talking about that or Princess Bride. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I don't consider that a romantic comedy. So yeah. Yeah, some people do, so I'm not sure. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. Fair enough. Sure. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying I do. I'm saying some people do. So I'm not sure where you fell. But anyway, yeah. Uh, he also did. This is Spinal Tap and all that jazz. Misery. But yeah, I mean, like, when's the last time you had a really good movie? Hmm. Like, or even a good one. A really good get, movie. Uh, uh, like, what's the last one? The <laughs> he's in. American he's done. President. I think he's done television. Um, uh, more recently. So. Uh, he's done acting stuff. Like he was in The Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, yeah. He's shown up. I think. Well, let's see. Did he... I know he he was in Sandy Wexler, but I don't think he helped make that film happen. No, he didn't. Yeah. Um, as far well, as... Uh, uh, let's look up IMDb. Oh, yeah. I, as far as movies go, I honestly... He hasn't been on my radar. I think he has done a bunch of movies, but I think the last movie I think I watched that he made was probably The Bucket List. Um, yeah, which is okay. That was very okay, in my opinion. Yeah, it's just kind of whatever. I think the last good movie was probably uh, American President, right? Yeah, I, was I mean, say. rumor has so, it wasn't good. I didn't like that uh, at let's all. See, he made Being Charlie, which was like his. Uh, that was a movie his son wrote. Which oh, that was like a couple years good. ago. Yeah, that, no, I that totally, was like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally right. forgot about that one. Which was a movie that should have been great, but it was just meh. Uh, and so it goes. That was super forgettable. Uh, Magic so forgettable. Of we both forgot about it. Magic of Bell Owl, that was forgettable. Uh, flipped, that didn't even get that wide of a theater release. Bucket list, like you said. Uh, rumor has it. Oh jeez. Emma, Alex Emma, and Emma, or Alex. And I Emma. forgot about that one. Yeah. Uh, he was well, in I, that. I think, was he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was. Uh, oh, what? Jeez, he wasn't Alex. No, <laughs> that was uh, Luke Luke Wilson, I think. Uh, yeah, Kate he was Hudson. like the manager um, friend because like wasn't one of them a writer. He was like the manager. Or he something. was some side character. I I honestly could not tell you, but he he was he was in the movie a fair bit. Yeah, the story of us with Bruce Willis. I didn't see that one. Um, 
This is like going back to the nineties. Yeah, that's man. like yeah, story of us. I don't think I even watched that one. It's yeah, too far. Ghost of Mississippi, me. I didn't see that one either. And then American President, like we said, which I think got decent reviews. Man, that's like that's gotta uh, be that was ninety five, right? So like twelve yeah, years so. ago. Well, no, that's like twenty. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Way more than that. Um it, it's funny too, because American President is probably the first Rob Reiner movie I ever watched because really? yeah well I mean it came out around the time I was starting to watch movies and it was sure. a movie that my my folks really loved and because I didn't see like a few good men or uh when Harry met Sally or I didn't watch Princess Bride until I was in high school I didn't saw in college yeah so like actually after college so yeah I, I only saw it a couple years ago I did see Stand By Me um early great movie. yeah yeah that's one of the few Stephen uh, King movies I uh, I appreciate Misery yeah, Misery yeah yeah, yeah sure so but would you say that ones. is this his final tap? Is that his best or Princess Bride? I mean, personally, my favorite is When Harry Met Sally, but I mean, it might be his best. I mean, it's certainly very good. Let's say, yeah, those three movies and maybe A Few Good Men. I think that's also such a good film. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good one. I'm annoyed that Spinal yeah. Tap didn't even get any awards or anything. But Did it not? I don't even remember. Well, before we do, sorry, we're, we're diving into the Rob Reiner special. Um, <laughs> well, clearly, we both Reiner have a lot show, of affection everybody. for this director. Uh <laughs> Fine. Okay, so there's two other films. Uh, Mayhem. Uh, this is a new film from Joe Lynch, who's like a schlocky director. I don't know very well, uh, but Lynch. it's it's interesting because this is a this is kind of it's going some theaters and straight to D- VOD. But uh, Stephen Ewan from Walking Dead stars in this film, so I haven't heard anything good or bad about it, to be honest. But hmm, who knows? Joe Lynch. Uh, Paddington. 2. Oh, Knights of Badass, dude. Oh, from uh, Joe Lynch. Yeah, that's what he directed. I oh, knew you I looking saw at his? From okay, him. yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've seen any of his work. Um, kind of heard his name. I think yeah, he's done a bunch of like kind of out there VOD films. But yeah, I mean, I remember the reason I remember Knights of Bad Astem is because that was one of those movies that like premiered at Comic Con, I think, and I got like ah. all these great reviews. It's kind of like the same situation as Fanboys because it was like taken by a studio and they like kept tinkering with it, and then like the final version was like a really just like botched up version of whatever the formal version was. So it was not what the director intended the film to be so it kind of just limped its way to release and it kind of just died quietly Hmm. well so uh i heard initially like the first or whatever the version they showed at comic-con was supposed to be really good but yeah oh well well here's to uh hopefully steven ewan getting more roles from more recognizable directors sure uh last movie we have here and uh i i cannot wait to see this one it's opening in the uk but uh, it'll be in the U.S. here soon. Uh, Paddington Two, yeah, which I've heard Paddington. I've heard great things about. Um, it's supposed to be a delight. Yeah, there's a handful of reviews. They're all positive. Uh, same director, same cast. Uh, I believe same screenplay team. Um, and I think Hugh Grant is in this one. I I haven't watched any trailers for this. I've kind of been avoiding them just because like I, I just want to go in fresh. Paddington, the first Paddington was such a surprise. If you're listening and you're like Paddington the Bear, honestly, will. We didn't know each other back then, but I was right. so hating on the first Paddington based oh, on no. those trailers. I mean, we were kindred spirits, I guess, because I remember <laughs> yeah. Matt and I, we were just like, oh man, that Paddington looks so dumb. It just looked like every, like, you know, like Alvin the Chipmunks or whatever. Yeah, it just looks like yeah. Just every dumb, like, movie where they take an iconic property and they just literally have just a bunch of toilet humor because I was like the and all they the were really was. yeah and they were really pushing up the whole thing was, uh, from the director of Chamber of Secrets the Harry Potter movie and I was like well this feels kind of like a movie I shouldn't care about but the movie completely oh, took me it? by surprise um, directed it no wait um, no the director was oh uh, yeah he did the screenplay did. for Chamber of Secrets Chris Columbus directed yeah yeah from the writer yeah, of Chamber of Secrets I guess yeah um, 
yeah and then paul king also worked on the screenplay for paddington too and yeah i i was blown away by how charming and fun paddington 2 was so or the first paddington sorry yeah no it was definitely one of the best surprises of that year i mean it was just i mean completely blew my expectations out of the water like you i mean it was a film i had i just thought was gonna be awful and it was a completely opposite it was just a delight it was the mad max fury road of british kids films no because mad max fury road looked amazing and it was amazing i think some people did think it was gonna be kind of bad though and then it wasn't so did it well, I wasn't hanging out around them. Yeah, because I remember uh, when I saw the first trailer for Mad Max, I was like, yes, this looks amazing. Yeah. I do remember some people were like, oh, yeah, the 80s movies coming back. Uh, yeah. A lot of people thought it was going to go the way of Conan and stuff like that. Sure, I guess. But anyway. Uh, yeah. Paddington 2. Um, if for all of our UK listeners, uh, you're hopefully in for a treat with that one. Yeah. And with that, Will Ashton, it's time to close out the show. We really... We really covered a lot of material. I, I like this yeah. segment. I think it's fun digging into these movies in a bit more detailed way. Um, sure. Which it, it's a reaction to uh, a few weeks ago. I, I did get a comment from someone who was, can you guys talk more about like what's coming soon? Because we don't talk about, usually talk about movies that are about to come out. So we don't let our listeners know like what we're going to sure. watch in the future. And that's usually because we don't decide sometimes until like the week yeah, of. Yeah. Right? That That's completely true like we should tell our listeners that there's been times where we just like at the last minute we're just like we'll just do whatever like, yeah uh good time i remember like it was good just time for the moment decision was and like, we were like yeah we combined it with death note and that yeah. was like a last it was a hard call sometimes it's so easy it's like yeah throw ragnarok and this week i think yeah uh we, we definitely want to talk about murder of the orney express but sometimes like uh we've had situations we'll give you guys some inside baseball you stuck with us this long sometimes <laughs> we've been in situations where you know the main movie looks fine but then like it's bad, but then we watch another movie that is like really good. And like, right. it's kind of like with Florida project, we decided yeah, like Snowman, that should be our featured do. review. Yeah. Instead of snowman, um, or even the foreigner, which I liked, but will hate it. <laughs> They're not hated. I didn't sorry. hate the foreigner. I just thought it was okay. Yeah. 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 Sorry. I, I'm always putting words in your mouth since episode one. Oh man. <laughs> like, it's like that, how that Twitter poll where we were just talking about like, uh, Gary Oldman versus Daniel day Lewis. Like I didn't even say, I didn't even put a horse in the race. I was just like, I think Gary Oldman's going to win, but we shouldn't undermine Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. We're just like, we should not under, underestimate Daniel Day-Lewis's potential here because it's last his last movie and it's Paul Thomas Anderson. And you're like, yeah. well, Will thinks Daniel Day-Lewis <laughs> is going to win. but And everyone on Twitter is just like, oh, Will's like, dumb. Yeah, how, <laughs> yeah, Will, you're an idiot. How can you think that? I feel so bad about that. And John was like, let's tag all my friends. <laughs> yeah, we tagged everybody too. <laughs> um, yeah, my bad. Yeah, I owe, you, right. I owe you for that one. I just wanted to get that grievance out the on the air so people Glad know where did. I stood. All right. Yeah. Uh, should we also talk lesson. about how Paddington doesn't have a U.S. release yet? Um, uh, yeah, I wasn't sure about that because I think, again, the it's such a crowded month. Um, I wonder if they're going to wait No, till... no, I mean with the Weinstein thing. The Weinstein thing. Oh. He was, he was going to distribute it in the studios. Like, we're not letting you distribute it anymore. I thought that they were holding off until January like they did with the... Or February. Well, no, like they, they were. The but then now it doesn't have a studio, I don't think. That's where I last heard about it. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that's trouble. Hey, uh, <laughs> Netflix is always looking for yeah. scripts to just funnel through their little system. Yeah. If Paddington 2 went happened? straight to Netflix, I would be kind of bummed out because I want to see that in the theater. Sure. Yeah. I just want it out though. Like I just want it in my yeah. eyeballs. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I've been wondering why the marketing for Paddington 2 has basically been non-existent and that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 
All right. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of Cinemaholics. Uh, you know, we didn't even mention it, but we'll, but Maverick Hines had to step out. Uh, but he mm-hmm. says goodbye. But uh, thanks for listening as always. And uh, if you love the show, don't forget, we always need reviews, guys. Uh, please review the show on Apple Rev- uh, Podcasts, uh, Google Play, Stitcher. Let us know what you think. Send us feedback. Email us, cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com. Any questions you have, any um, ideas you have for the show you want us to tackle, uh, we're always open to your feedback. And if you want to you know, hang out with us directly, you can always do it on the Facebook page, uh, just Facebook Cinemaholics. Uh, you should be able to find it in the show notes. And uh, yeah, drop us a line. You can directly message us there, or you can just leave comments and, and find out when episodes are coming out. As soon as they come out, um, we're always hanging out on the Facebook page. So, And yeah. uh, we always appreciate the discussions you guys bring up on there. That's always fun. Yeah. And I, we should preface that uh, we've. I know Maverick kind of has a complicated relationship with one listener named Alex. He's so uh, mean just, to Alex. Alex, we, we like Yeah, you we have nothing against you. I, I, we were talking about how we haven't really heard from you, and I feel like Maverick might have shooed you away. And we can say it's because he won't listen to this episode, so who cares? Yeah, we're pretty deep. Uh, yeah. So, Alex, we have nothing but immense respect for you and your thoughts. Please, like all of our, all, like all of our other listeners, please feel free to comment whenever. <laughs> Maverick is so mean to your listeners, but don't worry. Will and I are here. We'll, we're, yeah. we're always here for you guys. From now on, we're just going to be like, Maverick, cut it out. <laughs> yeah, Sniper, no sniping. No more cyberbullying. We learned Melania Trump has gotten to us. Um, oh and we've decided, you know what? The bullying ends when we say it ends. And that's what's happening from now on. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I wanted to get that off my chest. I think. I think. Glad Alex you did. Owes an apology. All right. Well, I uh, think. We owe Alex an apology. We owe, yeah, yeah. I knew what we were trying to say there. All right. Well, that'll do it for us this week from the Internet California. I am John Agroni. From the internet, Pennsylvania, I am Will Ashton. See you next time.